So could you get away with a Valentine's card that says, I'm sorry, honey, I've explored the roots of this holiday, deconstructed my former beliefs around this, the pagan origins of Valentine's and the subsequent capitalist overtakenness of it. And so I just got you this card. I would receive that card. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a know your audience. To Layton's point, that's a know your audience sort of situation, right? Yeah, it's very hit or miss, I have to say. You're either going to knock it out of the park or knock yourself out of the park. Welcome to episode 220 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft fruit pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverend Ogan Holder and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, are joined by Reverend Leighton William Burkus to address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. Yay, Leighton's back been a Yay! minute it's it been has a minute. been a minute um and whether you're new to the show or your longtime listener uh, we have lots more content available for you uh, you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash pt live and as a thank you we will send you one of these fine pump theology pub theology like tumblers uh, pint glasses uh, you can see it if you're watching our Facebook live feed, um, which we bring to you every Tuesday around 4.30, 4.45, somewhere in there. Um, and yeah, so uh, as always, we appreciate those of you who are current patrons. Um, so come get some more content. Absolutely. And this week, we'll be talking about Valentine's Day, faith and leadership uh, and Black history. And we want to welcome back to the show, uh, as we've already said, Leighton, glad you're here. Tell our listeners what, what's new in your life these days. Yeah, um, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, think it, I think I got married since the last time I was a guest on the show, so that was big. Um, yay for that, new last name. Um, and now my husband and I are expecting a daughter in uh, late June, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully the timing remains. Um, and so that's, that's big. This will be our first uh, kid. And so we're really excited about that. And that's kind of where a lot of my, um, my attention is going these days. And also uh, when we get to it, sadly means I have nothing interesting to contribute to the, what are you drinking question? <laughs> water all the time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, I, as, as Ogan knows, I'm, I'm going through a, a dry February, which is now dry-ish February. Um, so, <laughs> Ogan, I don't know. What do you got today, Ogan? Are you Wait, am I, am I only the one drinking again? You might be. Oh, you have to drink for all three of us. Oh, three, and three and a half. Three and a half. I can't. I can't. Um, I, I'm, this is one of my old standby favorites, uh, um, Nitro's uh, from Left Hand Brewing, uh, the Nitro Milk Stout. I honestly, I was not a stout fan till I drank this. Like yeah. people were used to give me a hard time for not liking Guinness, which I'm still not a big fan of. But when I had this milk stout, I was like, oh, okay. 
okay. I, I, I see a stout. I might, I might be getting into it. Yeah, so how stout. would you compare that to a Guinness or what do you like about that one? Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a little smoother on the palate and, and, um, I don't know. Guinness seems to have, I don't want to, I don't know if bitter is the, is the word I want, but it's, it's a little more intense, uh, sure. for me. Yeah. Um, this, this is, this is gentler on, on the, on the palate, um, All right. going down. So I'm, I'm, a I'm a fan of this. A friendlier stout. Oh, it is a friendlier. And I think it's also a little more flavorful. Like I could feel some more like, like, like chocolate notes coming through. Sure. Than, than I than I do a, a Guinness, so yeah. I'm I'm a fan. And where is left hand? Is that up in Vermont? Um, I don't know. Is it? I, I love I love the fact that half the label is upside down because it, <laughs> it tells you how to activate how to activate the nitrogen by holding oh. the bottle upside down. Oh, that's clever. I know. Uh, you'd think they'd tell you on the bottle where they're from. <laughs> oh, Colorado. Really? Left hand brewing, Longmont. Colorado. Wow. Yeah. I had it in my head as a New England beer. There you go. Yeah. No. All right. Well, after all that tossing around to find out where they're from, I would say the nitro has been activated. <laughs> <laughs> they planned it that way. <laughs> Seriously. Fair enough. And Leighton, I, I think I saw you drinking some water. Is that getting you through today? Um, yeah, I actually was going to make a fun mocktail, um, but I got finally got my COVID booster like two hours ago. And oh, so I decided that I should just drink a lot of water. Um, That's enough for to, one day. You got the boost. Congrats. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. It's, I was supposed to get it a month ago and I got COVID instead. So I oh, no. to be uh, healthy and now boosted as well. So this baby's going to have a lot of hopefully built in. I was Protection. just going to say that baby's getting like a shit ton of antibodies now. Yep. yep. So, so just water for me today, but I will give a shout out. Um, I've been exploring NA beers, uh, yeah. particularly since starting second trimester. And um, I'm a big fan of athletic brewing company. Yes. Um, they're so good. I love their free wave, um, which is their hazy IPA. That's like my go-to. Agreed. So I would be drinking that if I was if I was drinking anything. That's a great call. That's a great call. And I am having uh, a cherry bubbly sparkling water. At least <laughs> it's not LaCroix. They, it's not LaCroix. And they always have something fun on the tab bubbly today. Oh, like a word. This one is hey huh. <laughs> Which you've That's been cool. known to say a few times. <laughs> It's so like it was right, calling out to you. Right up, right up your alley. Yeah. On to today's topics. There you go. All right. So we just came uh, through Super Bowl weekend. Wondering if you watched it at all. And if you did, was there a favorite Super Bowl commercial? We let our guests go first. What do you got, Leighton? Sure. Um, yeah, I did watch. I um, was making my famous six layer bean dip for part of it. So I feel like I missed, like I've since heard that there was like a Jason Sudeikis commercial and some other stuff that I seem to have missed. Um, but my family, I was at my brother's house watching it and we really liked the um, keeping up with the Joneses uh, track <laughs> yeah. commercial with like yes. Nick Jonas showing up and he's like, it's actually yeah. Jonas now. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, yeah, whatever, whoever you are, which oh, I feel yeah. like is exactly what he would say in real life to Nick Jonas. So Jonas? Yeah, it's keeping up with the Jonases now. Um, we got a big kick out of that one. 
Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Ogan, was, did you, A, did you watch the Super Bowl? And if so, uh, did you, or did you only watch commercials? I, I did watch the whole thing. I watched the Super Bowl. Um, it was, it was like the only football game I watched all year. Uh, Congrats. So, uh, and, and of course I, I, I watched it for two reasons. One, the, the camaraderie of a room full of guys eating bad food and drinking. I showed up for that. And I specifically was showing up for the halftime show because I wanted to feel old as dirt. Oh my God. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Seriously, man. Now, honestly, you know, like, like it, I think, I think we've, you know, there was a term, you know, 90s hip hop is classic hip hop. I think we've entered the era of it being geriatric hip hop uh, at this point in time. Cause seriously, man, I mean, I, it was, oh, I, listen, I love the performance. Uh, they all, they all did a fabulous job. It never seems like it's long enough, um, mm -hmm. especially for the talent they had, they had there. Um, I would love to see um, uh, Kendrick Lamar do more um, and, and Anderson Pack. I was like, got all excited when I saw him, but all he was doing was playing drums. It's like, come on, man. Like, like you could have done some more with him, but either. Other than that, great halftime performance. That was the thing I was mainly looking forward to. Um, I don't know, speaking of, of geriatric, I don't know if it's because of old age, but I was like, I don't remember any of the commercials. Like, uh. like at all. Were they not that memorable? I was I was really struggling. And this year I, I made it a point not to watch any of them on YouTube beforehand. Mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted to be in the moment with them. I do remember the LeBron commercial, which I thought was pretty cool. Right. Him talking to his younger self. I was very disappointed in that being an ad for, for crypto. And yeah, uh, uh, you know, I was like, come on. Yeah. You know, I love the truck commercial. That was funny. Um, so there was another commercial. I forgot. I forgot what the product was, but one of the actors in the commercial was 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 this black dude who's been in so many commercials recently. He's been in the Wingstop commercial. He's been in the the commercial. He's in the Wingstop commercial where he forgets to go pick up his baby, but he remembered yes. to go get the wings. Yeah. Right? Remember that commercial <laughs> or the one where he thinks it's a him and his wife are doing a Zoom double date and it's a real life double date and he walks out in his underwear and the other couple sitting there all oh, right that dude so 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 in the gathering of friends that i was with one of the guys who's an aspiring actor actually knows him so he was telling us all about this guy and he's a stand-up comedian and he was trying to break into the acting world and it wasn't working and then he realized how much money he can make doing commercials he basically shoots like three or four commercials a year and that's like all the acting work he does <laughs> and he's making money now uh enough money to live off of that right now apparently who knew commercials to pay you this much so and i still don't remember what the hell commercial he was in right but but that was that's my memories uh from my Super Bowl time, and it was actually a good game, you yeah. know, uh, as 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 well. So, um, so yeah. so, but but the other thing from the Super Bowl that I that I, I do want to mention um, is that you know the the story around where the game was being played is is um, both a great and not great story. So that brand new stadium they built in Inglewood. Yeah. Um, you know, we all we first we all know about LA's homeless problem. So there's one thing they built this in Englewood, which has been traditionally a, a majority black part of LA deep, deep black history there. 
but because of a lot of things like the new stadium, that new stadium, they're about to build a new Clippers uh, stadium for the, for the Clippers, the basketball team, um, you know, gentrification is going crazy uh, there in Inglewood right now. And of course, what that means is it's pushing out the original residents who, who made Inglewood the flavor, the rich flavor of the city that it was. So it's one of these things that's coming with, with a mixed sort of blessing um, around there and there's still parts of the city that are like horribly destitute um, as as well and they build this like massive new stadium uh, so it's it's always one of these things where like yeah, what you going what you gonna do and and I feel it's it's incumbent upon us to say well that's awesome here's here's the cost that it that it put on on the community to have to have this happen yeah because uh what was the lowest price of a ticket six grand i think i heard ridiculous for for a super bowl ticket six grand that's and that's the lowest price so you know last time they hosted in la that i think it was 175 right so so (laughs) so you know that a lot of the people who are in that stadium not from the community you know, right. uh, yeah. so, so there's, there's, there's always that. So yeah. it was, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. it was a, it was a whole thing. I did like the uh, Halle Berry um, intro with like California and movie making and storytelling and kind of, they were weaving in NFL highlights with, um, mm-hmm. you know, movies around sports. And it just kind of had this cool uh, thing to it, kind of welcome to California. So I kind of liked that. Uh, around commercials, I liked the Larry David uh, one where it was like, you know, little vignettes in history and he's in the room when they invent the wheel and he's like, nah, you know. I call it the wheel. Yeah, I don't think so. Like whatever they were inventing, <laughs> he was skeptical about it. And then, of course, <laughs> it becomes an ad for crypto and they're like, you should invest in, you know, crypto. And he's like, yeah, nah. it's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Oh, so funny, funny moment. The the I forget which crypto company it was that had the 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 QR code mm. just bouncing oh, yeah. around the screen, right? So we're all sitting there going like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> and and as a QR code, and I'm and I'm like, you know what? My phone is right there, and I am just like not even interested in seeing where that's gonna take me. Right. So then one of the other guys, he goes, "All right, I'll bite." So he picks up his phone. And scans the code, and the timing was such that as soon as he scans it, it goes to the name of the company, right? So he gets up, he scans. All of a sudden, the screen goes blue so he was to show late. the name of the company. No, what he was, what he thought was like, holy crap! Did me scanning them give him permission to hack my TV? <laughs> so he started, he, he started freaking out about the whole thing, and then we were like, no, it, it was just a timing issue. But, but yeah, I was like. And given the cost of, I forget what the cost with the Super Bowl ads were, like seven million or something ridiculous for thirty second spot. And like, I guess they kept the overhead low by just showing the QR code. (laughs) There was no production expense. That's funny. (laughs) But I'm just like, this is kind of getting out of hand. I also liked the uh, the Alexa commercial with Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost, even though they kind of were giving that one away before. But when I saw Mm -hmm. the whole thing. It was pretty, it was funny. Yeah, that, that did make me laugh. I, uh, I don't think I had like seen it before. So that was new to me. I thought it was funny. 
what was sadly ironic was I think it might have been at the opening or, or at some point they were showing the uh oh they were doing this oh with with a uh, mm, uh what's her name the tennis player who flipped the coin oh Billie uh, Jean King Billie Jean King right Ugh, name recall uh you know and before she came on there was this whole thing about you know Title Nine yeah. and and this game is is open and and to everyone and everyone has the right to play and I was like. Hmm. Except maybe not coach if you're black, because that's like, you know, in the news around the NFL right now. So for me, it was like that was that that did not come for me, go over well, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and we know that they just appointed two new black head coaches. Well, one black, one of mixed questionable mixed race but it felt a little incongruent to have that highlighted right before it the felt biggest. incongruent yeah. to have that highlighted it also felt incongruent for them to hire those two people right after the lawsuit <laughs> by flores well right, right right so 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 it was it was so it was sort of a weird sort of like icky ish feeling like well there, i mean that. in a way like hiring them after the lawsuit it's kind of like well if you don't it looks terrible and if you do people will question the motives so I don't know where you go, but it, I'm glad he went forward and spoke up, and I'm glad others. Oh, absolutely, well. Abs- absolutely. Go ahead. All right, we spent a lot of time on this. Any any last storylines that that stuck out to either of you? Uh, uh, go ahead, Brian. I have to say this one thing, just because I've been following your um, posts about Matt Stafford on Facebook, yeah, and and I think not commenting out loud, um, but it it did strike me that we were coming to this from very different. Um, maybe perspectives both related to Matt Stafford um, because I am a huge Georgia fan and went there and um, it has been a heck of a year for us Um, and uh, I don't know if y'all remember this but I am very much more college football oriented than NFL I don't really follow me too and yeah thanks for reminding me that your team crushed our souls this year (laughs) yeah sorry about that that was (laughs) that was rough for y'all. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool. So I went in, I would have probably rooted for the Bengals otherwise, um, just okay. from storyline status, but I went in rooting for Matt and Sonny you Michelle and just, yeah. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see that, uh, come together. I don't know. Absolutely. That was kind of my like favorite storyline. Yeah. I was coming up from it the opposite direction in a way, unlike a lot. I mean, a lot of Michiganders were all in on Stafford and I'm happy for him. I mean, it's great. And in the end, I was rooting for them more than the Bengals. But I'm just like, this doesn't do anything for me as a Lions fan. Like, yeah, they're not my team. And with college, it's totally different. Like, I cheer for Tom Brady because he went to my college, even when he was on, you know, no matter what his team was, he was still a, you know, Michigan Wolverine. Same with Stafford, no matter which team he's on. Although I bet you right. didn't root that much for the Lions in the past, in all honesty. Um. I just don't ever root for anyone, but at, uh, on the rare occasions that I was watching a Lions game and somebody reminded me that he was the quarterback, <laughs> exactly. I assure you, I rooted for the Lions. Very, fair enough. <laughs> I love that Shannon's not here. We're still talking football. Fair <laughs> enough. Just a just a mess with this, you. This is getting better. My favorite storyline of the Super Bowl is that it's over and we can now turn our attention to basketball. Where there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well fair. done. Well done. So it is February, Mm. mid-February. Thank goodness. This is one of my least favorite months of the year, and we're halfway through. But uh, it was just Valentine's Day. Wondering how seriously either of you take this, and did you do anything special? Um, Let's not bury the lead. Why is it your least favorite month of the year? (laughs) 
Did you just say that is one of your least favorite months? Yeah, because I live in Michigan and it's like the it's like winter will not die and it's just sludge and yucky. Yucky I thought it was maybe related to Valentine's. I was just uh, checking. Just wanted to clear that up. No, no, Valentine's and like the Super Bowl are two of the bright spots, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yes, we had a we had a three-parter Valentine special. Hey yo. Because because um <laughs> we we did we did the <laughs> We did the we did the one thing we all uh, Ava and I love the most, which was eat good food. So we on Sunday we went to Fogo de Chao, uh, the Br- Brazilian buffet steakhouse. And was um, it up to expectations? Have you ever been to a Fogo de Chao no. or a Brazilian steakhouse? Oh, it is a place created for meditarians. Okay, so you have this massive like like uh, salad buffet bar that you go to as many times as you want, but then. There are these guys in in like gaucho uniforms and they walk around with skewers of, of cooked meat and they'll come up to your table and you want some of this and they'll slice a little bit off for you. And you have this card on your table when the uh, one side of the card is red and one is green. And when the card's green, they know to come by and, and cut some meat off for you. And when it's red, they know to keep on moving. So I did some real damage at, at Fogo de Chao, right? Um, but what happened was um, Ava's mostly vegan, um, and but she goes for the salad bar. Like I said, huge, massive salad bar. Huh. But I know that when she said, let's go to Fogo to Chow, it was really the gift was really for me. So I thought I'd like do something special. And, and I booked an, uh, a date night for us to go do like the wine and paint thing, right? Because I know she loves painting. So I did that. So when she realized I booked something special for her, then she went and booked another special thing, surprise, uh, you know, for us to do. So it was like this whole like going back and forth. And we ended up with with three Valentine's events. It was it was beautiful. It was wonderful. The last thing last night we went to do, uh, it was a, it was a, actually another like um, painting craft inspired thing. But you you had to go. It was an art studio. You could select <clears throat> if you wanted to paint, you know, mugs that were, you know, pre-made or, or animal figures or nothing. And at first I was sort of, she didn't tell me what it was. And when we got there, I was sort of like, you know, and then, then, then I saw their Star Wars collection and I got excited. Mm. So uh, uh, it'll take a few days to, to do the, the bacon and the glazing, but once it's done, I'll be the proud owner of a hand-painted uh, Mandalorian uh coffee mug i thought i saw that well done yes um wow so so i i think it was more boba fett than mandalorian but they 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 said it was mandalorian but i'm like "Mm, i think this is boba fett's helmet yeah i was thinking it was boba fett when i saw it i didn't i didn't i didn't split hairs with them um so yeah so i i got all excited and we were sitting there painting the worst valentine's music playlist ever coming through the speakers <laughs> oh boy some weird country music songs it was a whole thing so we were just sitting there laughing at the at the so yes um it was it was a it was a lot of fun um, so newer relationship at least relative to me because that that feels yes. like uh, over and above uh valentine's what's so. our second valentine's together all right all right and we've had conversations about stopping to trying to not outdo each other. So we end up with all these massive weekends, but we're not going to stop. This yeah. Layton, <laughs> That's cute. Layton, how was your Valentine's? It was good. I would say, um, I would not say that we take it super seriously per se. Um, uh, but, you know, it's an opportunity for a date night. So Saturday night we went to um, Virginia's on King, which is like a soul food restaurant here downtown that neither of us had been to in years and never together. 
Um, so we went and got um, some classic Charleston shrimp and grits, um, yeah. which was really good. And, and then kind of like came back and watched a movie and just like, you know, had a low key night. And then on actual Valentine's Day, uh, on most Mondays, we go play trivia up the street at this bar that's like half a mile from our house, which is actually um, the site of our first date. And so hey. uh, it was fitting to go back and we won first place. So wow. it was a good, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a good, I will say historically, I was, I've been, you know, I was single for most of my adulthood and um, the way I dealt with Valentine's Day in those years was making it like a, a self pampering day. Yeah. Um, and I did take it very seriously back then and really loved it. And I had planned, uh, Billy had to work on Sunday. And so my plan was to like bring that back. Uh, and then I didn't, I just like, didn't feel good because pregnancy and whatever else. So yeah. next year I'm determined to take that part seriously and bring back that tradition, but it was good. Yeah. Nice. So it almost sounded like now that you are in a relationship, you were just phoning in Valentine's when you were single. Well, you were, so the, you were really yeah, the other attention. thing is, the other thing is that our one year wedding anniversary is next month. So I feel like there's a uh, little bit of like, you know, yeah. we weren't going to do anything gotcha. too big now because we're, hopefully doing that on March 20th. So uh, what about you, Brian? Yeah. So uh, this summer will be our 20th uh, anniversary and um, we've never been huge on Valentine's or maybe I've never done a great job on Valentine's. <laughs> I'll just point the, that was, that was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> point the, uh, the guilty sign at me. Um, I got her some chocolates and our date was, we both had uh, dentist appointments together. Oh, you were romantic. So romantic. <laughs> and so we both got our, you know, our, our dental dental checkup. And then, uh, and then we went to, we went shopping in a store we'd never been to. And then uh, we made dinner with the kids and hung out with the family and watched some Winter Olympics. So low key, but you know we were together, so it was good. It was like good. Um, is everybody fully recovered now? Oh yeah, was, yeah. Uh, everybody's COVID everybody's was rampaging recovered. there for a little bit. All right, yeah. that's good to hear. Yep. Um, so, is there any interest in getting into the history of Valentine's Day, or should we? I think we should keep moving on. So, so. Um, I knew about Lupercalia, but I this was the first year that I I found out some more details around what it actually what the what the actual ceremony around it was. So so yes, there was this idea that you know the the early church trying to co-opt all these pagan and festivals would would set up new festivals on top of it. So yeah. so Lupercalia apparently in an effort to increase their fertility, what the women would do is would make animal sacrifices and you know skinning the animals and then apparently flaying themselves with the with the bloody skins of the animals in in an effort to increase their fertility right. i didn't realize it was so gross yeah. that that was that was that was new news for me and i was yeah, like well you know not. i I, I don't know that I usually usually I take a friend to the church co-ops and pagan festivals, but that one was like, I may not be so mad at that one. <laughs> I mean, there was red and it was fertility related. <laughs> yeah, but geez. That can't that could that that would have been a home too much of a mess to clean up. I mean, good God. Yeah. And what I didn't realize is that there were three or as many as three early saints named Valentine or Valentinus, uh, mm -hmm. all of whom were martyred 
for their faith. Um, and then there's a myth about, you know, one who was imprisoned and sent a note to a girl he fell in love with, maybe the daughter of the jailer. And um, they call that the first Valentine. Uh, that feels like more myth than history, but you know. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. This whole, you know, the, the, uh, the church has a well ingrained history of co-opting co-opting other things um and i don't i i don't know and it's kind of an interesting i think almost poetic justice that the church co-opted them and then now capitalism has co-opted them from the church yeah yeah Yeah. this is not this is not on the church you know calendar of highlights like like any with the possible exception of easter every major like big church holiday has been sort of like culturalized and co-opted and by 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 capitalism and is more about the the commercialization of it which I, sure. again sweet irony from them originally stealing things so i mean here we here we are what we can do turnabout is fair play exactly yeah all right so uh missouri governor mike parson said last week that he would only uh nominate a state health director who shared his christian values So that's interesting. And then in an earlier interview from a few years back, he said, first of all, I can't even begin to imagine doing these jobs if you don't have faith. I mean, if you're not a believer, there's no way I believe you can be a truly effective leader because when you are in this arena, you are a leader. And to make decisions without faith to me would be impossible. I don't know how you make the decision and how you're going to affect the future if you don't have faith and belief. So discuss this view of an elected official saying he's only going to nominate a state health director who shared his Christian values. <sighs> yeah, I, what, I what mean, <laughs> there are so many directions to go with this, uh, about which I have strong <laughs> opinions. But I think like just setting aside all the other ones, which I'm sure we will talk about, I just you know, experience has taught me that anyone who says something like this is unlikely to be living in a way (laughs) that exemplifies the sort of Christian values that I believe in. And, uh, and that a lot of uh, elected officials and other leaders have done some really horrific things in the name of so-called Christian values. Um, So even as, you know, a person of faith and as a ordained minister when i hear stuff like this i'm like wow keep me away from those people (laughs) that is not not who i want to be around um so yeah that's that's i think point one for sure yeah yeah oh good well i i I think i think to to lane's point when he says christian values we know what that's code for (laughs) right (laughs) we 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 know i don't need to list all the things but 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 we know what that's code for. Um, but the but the statement is, you can't make decisions without faith. And I think you know, he's expanding that to to not expanding, but he's alluding to to the Christian faith. I'm like, have you never met an atheist? Like, have you never met a person who who does not strictly believe in God yet has done great things in their lives? Are there no atheists or even agnostics working with you for you on on your team you've just you've just delegitimized a whole bunch of people with that with that statement i mean in missouri maybe you can well experience i mean you might have you might have a point listen i know some people in missouri but i know to your (laughs) but to 
to your point, it's like it's like um, you. Yes, you've delegitimized the views of a whole lot of people. And also. Was isn't isn't their whole thing around, you know, separation of church and state. Right. And and we are and I, I and I love that we all knew it. It was sort of a sham to begin with. But now now we're not even pretending anymore right yeah and apparently he just this came up because he just fired the former state health director and there was accusations that he wasn't conservative enough and then he you know defending you know what he was going to do he's like well of course i'm only going to nominate someone who shares my christian values you know don't worry this person will be even more conservative was i think the subtext which has and so this, many problems for any public job, one, because it's like, you know, discrimination that's illegal. Um, right. But secondly, when it's like a public governmental role and we're in a global health pandemic still, and this is the thing that's going to like underscore the state health director when we know conservative Christians are, I'm sorry, among the guilty parties of taking this thing the least serious of anyone. Yeah. Not only yeah. not only the pandemic, but let's be clear when we talk about quote unquote Christian values in terms of 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 a health field, the people who are going to be most adversely affected by this women, women, people in the LGBTQ community, trans people like mm-hmm. this is this is basically saying I need a state health director who's not going to take those folks seriously and honor them as as fully human and 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 fully entitled to to their rights and 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 body autonomy that's what that's saying and you know missouri got enough problems this this is only doubling down on them and and i feel sorry i think you know i i think it is fair to say that i would like elected leaders to be guided by some values just like in general, I would like people leading us to have yeah. some sense of like morality and values. And I think it really is because we, I mean, let me say two things. A, that it's ludicrous to believe that like so-called Christian values, even ones that I adhere to are uh, superior or, or are in any way appropriate to be the guiding light of a country made up of a diversity of faith and non-faith and whatever. Yeah. But I think it also really does come back to, we know what that phrase means and it's coded. And in this case, it's uh, somebody who will protect the worldview of a particular type of people at, at the risk and cost of a whole lot of other people, um, you know, which for my part is runs directly contrary to the values that I want my elected officials to live by and uphold. Yeah. It's just painful that that this kind of thing is still so prevalent and it's by people who are in such positions of authority. I mean, a governor has a lot of sway over what happens in, in their state and it's just so concerning. <laughs> uh, when are you gonna run for governor of uh, Michigan there, Brian? yeah Uh, launch that campaign yep no time soon (laughs) (laughs) not anytime soon Uh, we have a great governor she's running for re-election this year and uh Mm -hmm. i'm happy to support her i can be partisan on my podcast right i'm not saying this from the pulpit you're too funny 
<laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you should. <laughs> should we, do is, we need to edit this out? <laughs> what is it like to have a great governor? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh boy, I was gonna say. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, so so that we're not so that we're clear we're not being partisan. I'm in Maryland, and our governor is Republican, and and he's a great governor. He's not he's not a MAGA Republican, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, yeah. and, and when I was in Massachusetts, we also had a not MAGA Republican governor in Charlie Baker, and they made great decisions. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you're speaking about the pandemic, um, when, when uh, Omicron was doing its spike and then sort of beginning to just come down and, and you know, New York Times says this great, like, here's, here's the hot spots by state. And, and Maryland was like leading the charge in the least amount of like cases, deaths, hospital, hospitalizations, you know, always in the top uh, 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 about that sort of thing. We've not rescinded our mask mandate yet. Um, that's coming in maybe another week. And we're, you know, we're guessing that they're not going to renew it. But but we've this state has done such a good job of responding to the pandemic. I mean, a really good job. And we have a Republican governor. So, so this is not, this is not about necessarily party affiliation. It's about, are you actually going to make the best choices for all your constituents? And right. a lot of people say that they do, but then to this point, when you're tacking on, yeah, Christian values, you're, 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 you're showing your hand. And I don't think he's never not shown his hand, uh, the governor of Missouri, um, which, which is very disturbing, but but you can you can have great governors who are really looking out for their people, regardless of party affiliation. So um, I thought I'd just throw that in there. No, that's well said. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to the point of this question, I don't know what the governor, what Governor uh, Larry Hogan of Maryland, I don't know what his faith is, because it's not it's not a thing that he maybe he said it before, but it's not a thing that he's leading with or a thing that he's saying this needs to be a factor in who I appoint in, in, in my, you know, to, to in my cabinet or whatever so so yeah. yeah i i don't know and i and i think it i think it's better that way for sure yes he doesn't yeah, wear it on his sleeve point. and say my way or or the highway exactly exactly and i've spoken again and 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 uh leighton made this point uh i've spoken about this christian arrogance that that shows up there that that christianity is is the better way is the only way as opposed to it, the realization that it is simply a way, um, and all the other ways are, you know, of, of communing with, speaking to, and being in a relationship with the divine are, are, are just as valid. Um, and it's it's still this unspoken rule about, you know, the higher being elected into higher office, you know, professing your Christian faith is almost one of those like non-required requirements. Because I can't, I can't think of anyone in really high offices in government who haven't professed to be Christian or at least loosely Christian affiliated. Yeah, I mean, know. I think Ilhan Omar from Minnesota mm-hmm. might be an exception. Yeah, but there's uh, no uh, Rashida Talib. Uh, yeah, Tlaib, right. Uh, <laughs> hello from my state. Yeah, <laughs> hello. Uh, you know, so 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 yeah. Um, still, still, still the minority. Yeah. Uh, and when as, as and we're... when they are professing a different faith, it is almost always a reason that they get extra criticized or come under yes. like yes. intensive scrutiny. I mean, it. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I think called it, it the is squad still... and told to go back where they came from, et cetera, yeah. even if their families have been in this country longer than someone else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, again, ironic considering the Constitution and the whole thing about religious freedom, right? You know, this country is founded on religious freedom. You're free to be, you're free to worship and there shall be no no uh, religion established as the official religion, religion of the country. Yep. However, if it's not Christianity, yeah, yeah, it's still less than. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. There it is. In 2022, we're still hearing these things from elected officials. That that's what just kind of we we do, and and it's one of the things that that unfortunately f- fosters and feeds anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Be- because because again, not Christ- even even though the connection between Christianity and Judaism is like you know as close as as close as you get in terms of overlapping, uh, you know. Th- uh there's there's still this like if 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 there was if there was as much anti-christianity like we would be doing something more right but but it's 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 judaism and and christianity seems to have this whole view of like we are we are the improved version of judaism and so so therefore you know maybe we're not going to be as much up in arms about it and and let's also be clear that a lot of when we say that is mostly evangelical white Christianity um, as well. No, no one was, uh, you know, leading into your next question about about the lynching era. You know, no one was up in arms when black churches were being blown up and set on fire. Um, you know, and mm. even recently, what was the dude that shut up the black church and they like took him out to burgers on the way to jail or whatever it was. Uh, you know, whole thing. Yeah, I mean, there are these, I think you're right. I mean, the intersections of, um, you know, white supremacy and Christian supremacy and like how how those things look, um, I think is very apparent. And like, it is necessary to make that distinction. Um, I will say, you know, in terms of breaking down various facets of white Christianity, I think while there are things that can be said of conservative evangelical Christianity that I hope um, is maybe not necessarily borne out in Protestant circles that I run in. Um, after the hostage situation in Texas, I was talking to my best friend from growing up who's Jewish, who um, recently had her third child. And we were talking about, you know, having kids and raising them and what it means to raise them in a world where this is still anti-Semitism is still true and Christian white Christian supremacy is still ruling the day. And like, what can, what can we do at all in our little spheres. And one thing she said that felt like such a small thing, but has really stuck with me is um, make sure that when your, your kid's school is only doing, you know, December holiday themed dress up days that push a Christmas narrative, that you're making sure that your kids are hearing about Hanukkah are hearing mm-hmm. about, you know, these other, I think, you know, what struck me about that is it's not a a totally novel concept, um, but it just really painted for me how embedded in in, in seemingly harmless elements of our culture, this uh, Christian superiority narrative is present, right? That it like, you know, my niece had 15 straight days of dress up at school in December and all of them were related to Christmas, you know? And so I don't know. I think, I think in that sense, there is still 
those things have more power too than we realize, even though they're not the overt kind of problematic uh, opinions like this one we were just talking about from the governor of Missouri. And, yeah. and, and, and to follow up on that, I should also specify that that the white the, the white Christian nationalist movement is really what I'm what I'm making reference to mm-hmm. when I say white Christianity. I'm not I, I don't want to paint in, in too broad a brush because there's there's many there are as many I would say traditionally predominantly white Christian spaces that are coming out against that uh, as well. Yeah. So so I want to clean that up uh, sure. and 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 be clear to um, really say what i'm talking about because let's remember a lot of them dudes who uh did the insurrection on january 6th like they're they were praying uh you know after they broke into the capital they 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 paused for prayer right because they're very clear that what they're doing was a was a holy act praying that they could get their hands on the vice president and the gallows seriously it's the the and 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 the inability to to see that, that these are these are not matching up is is frankly frightening yeah and yeah. so speaking of not being able to see uh, we have this quote powerful quote from james cone and in, in, in many ways the central thesis of his book the cross and the lynching tree and he notes that in the lynching era that is between 1880 and 1940 white christians lynched nearly 5,000 black men and women in a manner with obvious echoes of the roman crucifixion of Jesus, yet these, quote, Christians did not see the irony or contradiction in their actions. So interested to hear thoughts about just this comparison of that, that, that brutal act of, of lynching a human being, largely because of the color of their skin, or maybe some minor offense was the excuse, with, you know, the, the, the act that killed Jesus, who undoubtedly probably all of these people professed to be, you know, the center of their faith. And who said irony was dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it, it, it's, it's just the point that shows that, that Christianity or, or any religious belief does not wholly exist outside the culture of the time hmm. right so it's 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 for a lot of folks it's not so much that that the beliefs transform the culture is that we fit our beliefs into the culture that we already exist so so i mean take my movement for example uh i'm, I'm a unity minister we're we're new thought christian i like to say which means we're barely christian at all um but you know at a at a time where um we our headquarters or unity village it's in missouri coming full circle back to missouri um and and they built this sprawling campus and it was a school that at the time admitted uh, black students and also women to be ordained, you know, back in like the 40s, 50s and 60s, right, which was sort of like, ooh, revolutionary, yeah, but relatively early, relatively early, but um, fitting in line with the, uh, the the racist culture of the time, the black students were not allowed to live on campus or use the swimming pool mm. at, on, on, on the campus, right? So, so in, in, in spite of this, like 
we are we recognize the divinity in all and we're all children of god and we're all equal but we're still gonna follow the cultural norms the cultural white supremacy norms of our time yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna do this and i think we i think we don't realize if we're not careful how much we allow we, we squeeze we've already squeezed god into into you know the confines of religious belief and now we're squeezing that belief into the confines of of a culture of a time so here we are in you know turn of the century 1880 1940 where white supremacy ideas are the cultural norm so we're gonna we're gonna squeeze it into fit and and what was fascinating was was um, earlier, um, you know, a couple hundred years, maybe a hundred years before this, the churches first began with the idea that it actually was going against the teachings of Christianity to enslave another human being and slaves. So if a slave converted to Christianity, they were actually freed because we can't enslave other Christians, <laughs> Right. That was the teaching. We can't enslave. Us. So slaves, the enslaved people were like, oh, well, we want freedom. Let's convert. So a lot of them converted, started converting. Mm. And then when the the slave owners, many of them who were Christians in the church, realized, wait a minute, they found the loophole. We got to shut this down. Yeah. Right. So they stopped. So all of a sudden the theology changed because right. we, right. Because, because this is our bread and butter. This is, this is our free labor going out the door because of this religious loop. Yeah. The economics took superiority over the theology. Mm -hmm. So again, theology squeezed into the confines of, of, of economics, of capitalism, um, you know, of culture. So, so it really, it really begs the question of which influences which the most. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, that's a very good point. And it, I think a thing that this makes me think about this, this quote from Jane, James Cone is, um, you know, it's describing a deeply disturbing reality, but in some ways um, it, it's like, I can, I can wrestle with it because it belongs to 1880 to 1940. Whereas, you know, thinking about, I, I have similar questions today, sometimes when I encounter Christian rhetoric um, that is going side by side with, with behavior that I think is truly horrific, um, and violent and racist and any number of other things. Yeah, it could be the death and penalty, it, could be foreign policy, you know? Yeah. Things, yeah. And I think, you know, this question, which Ogan, your comments really are really astute is like, you know, in my brain, I think how much of this is like, surely they actually know right? Like surely these people yes. are consciously aware that they're contorting their belief system to promote hateful ideas, right? And and on the one hand, I, I think there's an extent to which that might be true among leaders who are given a, you know, need to maintain the status quo. But I think the scarier thought of is that if these people are really, um, I don't want to use the word blind, but are, are really and truly unaware of this cognitive dissonance that exists for them, then it it's like, okay, what are my, what are my cognitive dissonances between yeah. uh, the faith that I proclaim and the box that I'm putting it in that I don't see the walls to, right? And not to like flatten the conversation, right? There's a spectrum at work here, but I just, I think this question of do people know that they are living in such, you know, such contradictory ways, 
Um, do they know, is it a choice or are they really that unaware? Is- we talked about that last week with the yeah. declaration of independence, you know, like how aware were they of the irony of saying, you know, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident and it's about all men have the right to, you know, are created equal liberty are created equal, seek liberty, justice, et cetera. And yet they're owning other human beings. Right. So I think to, to, to answer that question, I, I think some are unaware. I think most are aware, but then the issue is then in order to make things make, to reconcile them, it would be a wholesale, it, it will be a wholesale uh, uh, transformation of beliefs and and sending people into both individual and collective spiritual crises and it's just easier not to do that for sure (laughs) right yeah for sure and does whether they truly know it or not change their culpability like when jesus is being crucified he says father forgive them for they don't know what they do but what if jesus said these effers know exactly what they're doing but forgive them (laughs) anyway like that would almost be more powerful right yeah yeah well, I, I, to some extent, I can't believe I'm saying this, but to some extent, I think yes, right? When we don't know what we don't know. So, so, so it's um, the, a lot of the other work that I do around, around anti-racism, especially in spiritual communities, it's fascinating to have conversations with people who are not aware of, of, of the uh, internal, how they've internalized these like white supremacy cultural norms, we call them, Right. People aren't aware. So, so great example and easy example is like beauty standards, especially for women in America, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, thin, uh, tall, like you know, what what whatever those beauty standards are, yeah. and 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 how how many how many people have like tortured themselves and have body dysmorphia because they don't match that image? Well, who made that image the norm, right? So, so when you don't, when you don't know what you don't know, I, I can excuse that, but, but when you find out, right, then you sort of kind of don't have any excuse because then it becomes a willful decision to go like, you know what, it's going to be too hard to, to, to confront where that, when that first domino falls over, yeah. where, where, where it's, where it might all take me, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't want to face that. So no, yeah. I'm just going to pretend or ignore or, you know, and, and, and that's, that's hard too, right. To, 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 to know that, that, that one's faith, the deconstruction of one's faith, uh, one's belief system, what it might cost you in terms of loss of, of loved ones and family and disconnection from community that's a lot. And, and, and I, and I, I understand, not agree with, but I understand people's decision to go like, yeah, I don't want to take that on. Hmm. It's not a good excuse, but I, but I understand it. It's a, it is a huge cost to do the right thing. (laughs) It is a cost worth it, but it's still a huge cost. And some people are not willing to to make that loss. And some people are, I think, willfully ignorant. And some people have been brainwashed enough to looking looking at all you QAnon folks, brainwashed enough that that logic has left the building. So yeah, the, the 
the question of culpability is a fascinating one. And I think there's degrees of, of culpability along those lines of awareness, lack of awareness. And as you said, once you come into that awareness, then okay, and you continue down the same path, you better bet that culpability goes up. Uh, and it just, I, I'm sort of stuck on this, would Jesus have still offered forgiveness if, if there wasn't this sense of, well, they don't really know. So I guess, you know, maybe we'll forgive them or they're off the hook. Hmm. Like, do, does God's forgiveness, we say this, that God's forgiveness extends to all, but it gets really hard when we talk about some of the really darker things in human history. And it certainly gets even harder for us to begin to want to replicate that attitude. And sometimes you wonder, is that even appropriate? Or is that just like, you know, allowing abusers to, to have no accountability, you know, so that whole thing gets thorny. Well, and I think it's, you know, Brian, to your point, I think it's tricky because we, at least in this lifetime, right, operate within a human construct where, you know, our, our morality is alongside our ethics and all sorts of social contracts. I, you know, one thing, what you were saying made me think about is, um, does, did Jesus think, does Jesus think none of us really know what we're doing? Like, like in, in his eyes, are we all, it's like the whole see in a mirror dimly and then we shall see face to face thing. Right. Like hard yes to that one. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, maybe for God, there is this, like, maybe that's a, I mean, I would not say it's zero sum within our construct at all, but like maybe for God that's happening on a different level. Right. But, but I think, yeah, I mean, this fear of if we adopt that, are we excusing abusers and, you know, not not considering nuance and all of this stuff? I mean, I think, yeah, our, our responsibility to some extent is to um, look toward and take direction from God, but also recognize the moment in the world where we live in and our responsibilities as as community members and citizens and whatnot and and, you know, where those two things meet. Yeah, and the, the whole forgiveness um, slash accountability, you know, space is is just really interesting and, and challenging um, to navigate. But I think there, you know, can be a sphere in which you can forgive someone who's done something unforgivable, so to speak, against you. But there still needs to be accountability for the actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and of course we live in a as we've already said, we live in a pluralistic world and, uh, you know, uh, where we can't assume faith as the baseline for how we run government or, or, you know, holding criminals to account and, and dealing with, um, consequences and justice and all of that. Um, so, uh, I, I, to bring us back to the previous question, just a little bit, uh, listener, Tim on Facebook, uh, U.S. Constitution, Article 6, Clause 3, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust in the United States. There you go. Thank you for reminding us about that, Tim. Yeah. Yes. Please send it to the Missouri governor. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, yeah. somebody needs to tell him. <laughs> yeah, CC Governor Mike Parson. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's well, true. any... Um, any final thoughts on, on any of what we've, we've hit on here today, friends? This was a good full conversation. I feel like I'm going to be, uh, my wheels are going to be turning <laughs> for a little while. So yeah, for sure. Nothing, nothing profound yet. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would, I mean, all the way back to the Valentine's day day question, it's like, you know, are we, are we taking the time to really, explore the origins of our beliefs 
hmm. where, where they come from and 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 why are we still holding them up and are we allowing them to evolve in us outside of us are we willing to call out the ones that sort of didn't age well you, you know yeah. i mean that's 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 how that's how all faiths have evolved over time they've never been stagnant faith but somehow some of us want to keep them stagnant um and 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 to and and to say that questioning doesn't is 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 a is not a sign of faith i think you know i've always maintained that questioning is 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 securing us in our faith because because we're we're shedding the things that that ostensibly don't don't belong there you know so if you if you, if you profess to be a christian which is which is again ostensibly following the life and teachings of jesus you know which were all about love and acceptance then if your faith is excluding others for any reason you've you've got to call that into question and and be willing to hear when you're not because you may not realize that you're not right sometimes sometimes that that burn that boil is so slow like the frog in the in the in the pot right oh, yeah. sometimes it's so slow you don't realize or 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 you're you know as Leighton said earlier you might be blinded to it because you just don't know what you don't know but when mm -hmm. someone brings it into question are you willing to hear that somebody else is not having the same experience as you are yeah. and 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 call the the beliefs that you've established into question because if you're not you're just you're just you're just maintaining the 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 evils that come along with it so so i think history has taught us that um but and yeah it's challenging and yes it's hard work and yes it there'll there'll be a cost to it but but the rewards are greater yeah. i think the rewards are, are, are you're you're more settled and steeped in a personal faith that that works for you and and you know to come back to that jesus on the cross story and the, and the thieves on the other side of him i mean that's what it came down to right the individual personal belief around things um and not just accepting what you've been told so could you get away with a valentine's card that says i'm sorry honey i've explored the roots of this holiday deconstructed my former beliefs around this the pagan origins of valentine's and the subsequent capitalist overtakenness of it and so i just got you this card i would receive that card <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a know your audience to Layton's point. That's a know your audience sort of situation, right? If you're with yeah. somebody who would who would gladly receive that, absolutely, you have scored all the points in the world. If not, you know, save it for some other occasion. Yeah, it's very hit or miss. I have to say, you're either gonna knock it out of the park or knock yourself out of the park. <laughs> yeah, that might be. You might learn from that one. <laughs> that may not be the hill you want to die on. Just no, not that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And as always, a big thank you to our current patrons. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. 
our top cities this week, uh, Amarillo, Texas, Ashburn, Virginia, and Stockholm, Sweden. So man, our Swedish listeners are hanging around. And again, I want to say Leighton, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's great to have you Ooh. back on the show. Great to be here. At the rate at the rate you're showing up, when you come back next time, you might be on child number three. Seriously. I know. <laughs> There's no telling. Uh there you go. And you can watch us live Tuesdays on Facebook around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And if you'd like to find or start a pup theology gathering in your town, learn more at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So it's so funny that you asked about the the, the that Valentine's card because <laughs> like going into February, both Ava and I like, yeah, Valentine's is such bullshit, man. <laughs> three days. And three here days. we are. Here and we you are. went all out. <laughs> oh my God. Please.